0: Hi everyone, this is the Basic Podcast, and I'm Steve Carroll. This episode is a long-overdue look at thyroid emergencies in the ED. Today's script was written by Dr. Patrick N.G., one of my former residents in San Antonio, who is now in his last year of training, and the episode was recorded by Jacob Schreiner, a third-year medical student at Emory University School of Medicine. Thyroid emergencies are relatively rare in the ED, but they can result in a really sick patient So it's important that we rapidly recognize when this could be a thyroid emergency, run the right tests to properly diagnose the patient, and give the appropriate treatment. So let's get to it. This is Thyroid Emergencies by Dr. Patrick NG.
1: Hey, and welcome back to EM Basic. My name is Jake Schreiner, and I'm an M2 working with Dr. Carroll. So today's discussion is going to be on thyroid emergencies, which are rare, but they're important because they have to be promptly diagnosed and treated to prevent significant morbidity and mortality. The outline for today's podcast is we're going to start with a brief overview of the thyroid gland and thyroid hormones. Then we're going to move on to myxedema coma, which is a thyroid emergency that's an extreme presentation of hypothyroidism. Next, we'll discuss the other side of the spectrum, thyroid storm, which is an emergency involving an extreme presentation of thyroid toxicosis. The thyroid gland is located in the anterior portion of the neck. It's a bilobed structure that's connected by an isthmus. It's uh, often described as looking like a butterfly. A normal thyroid, when palpated, is mobile, non-tender, and without masses or gross asymmetries. Some abnormal findings on exam that can clue you into thyroid pathology would include an enlarged or painful thyroid gland or one with multiple nodules. The thyroid produces T3 and T4, which are collectively known as thyroid hormones. T3 is the active form of the thyroid hormones, and they're involved in the growth and development of children, and they regulate basic metabolic rate, the cardiovascular system, the gastrointestinal system, and the CNS. Thyroid hormone production is regulated by the hypothalamus, pituitary, and thyroid gland axis. It's a negative feedback system, which means that when T3 and T4 are produced by the thyroid, they negatively feed back on the hypothalamus and the pituitary gland, which causes these two structures to produce less thyroid-releasing hormone, TRH, and thyroid-stimulating hormone, TSH, respectively. This keeps the amount of thyroid hormone in the body at the correct physiologic levels. Dysfunction in this regulatory system can cause one to have either too much or too little thyroid hormone, thus leading to thyroid hormone pathology. Important items on the history and physical that should prompt you to think about thyroid emergencies include a personal or family history of thyroid pathology, Malignancy, certain medications, or a painful and enlarged thyroid. There are many signs and symptoms that can be consistent with thyroid pathology. Symptoms that are consistent with hyperthyroidism include, but aren't limited to, heat intolerance, palpitations, anxiety, sweating, and diarrhea. Patients with a low thyroid hormone level can present with hair loss, dry skin, constipation, weight gain, and fatigue. Not all patients with a thyroid pathology will present with these constellation of symptoms. At times, the presentation can be subtle, but with any or all of these symptoms, thyroid pathology should be considered in your differential. It should prompt you to consider obtaining a TSH level to help further guide diagnosis and treatment in your patients. Patients that do not have enough thyroid hormone are considered to be hypothyroid, Hypothyroidism is classified into either primary hypothyroidism, where there's a failure of the thyroid gland to produce hormone, or secondary hypothyroidism, where there's not enough TRH or TSH produced due to failure of either the hypothalamus or the pituitary gland. Primary hypothyroidism accounts for the majority of the cases of hypothyroidism. Remember, that's when your thyroid gland itself doesn't make enough of the hormone. Primary hypothyroidism can be caused by multiple etiologies, including but not limited to Hashimoto's thyroiditis, drugs that damage the thyroid, or deficiency of iodine. Other causes, such as masses and ischemic events like Sheehan syndrome with postpartum hemorrhage, can cause hypothalamic or pituitary pathologies leading to secondary hypothyroidism. Hypothyroidism can be treated with thyroid hormone supplementation. Patients that have an underlying hypothyroidism can be pushed into myxedema coma, which is one of the thyroid emergencies I'd mentioned earlier. There are a lot of reasons why patients who have hypothyroidism can be pushed into myxedema coma. Uh, such etiologies include but are not limited to drugs, infection, medication noncompliance, congestive heart failure, trauma, GI bleeds, uh, electrolyte imbalances, etc., Essentially, any factor that causes stress to the body can push the patient with underlying hypothyroidism into myxedema coma. Uh, As I mentioned earlier, the thyroid plays a role in the regulation of several organ systems, so patients in myxedema coma can be expected to have dysfunction of these systems. For example, patients with myxedema coma can have a decreased hypoxic respiratory drive and thus a decreased respiratory rate. Cardiovascular dysfunction can present with bradycardia, heart blocks, and abnormal intervals. Patients with severe hypothyroidism can also present with bleeding problems and altered mental status. Typically, patients with edema coma are elderly females with an underlying hypothyroidism who present with features of organ dysfunction like the ones I just described. Once edema coma is diagnosed, one must act promptly to secure the ABCs and start supportive measures including fluids, oxygen, and continuous cardiac monitoring. Some labs you should think about drawing include your CBC, a basic metabolic panel, and TSH, and you should look for a precipitant, such as an infection or recent medication change. Lastly, repletion of the thyroid hormone is needed. So there's some discussion in the literature on whether or not T3 monotherapy, T4 monotherapy, or a combination of T3 and T4 is most effective in treating myxedema coma, but currently there's no consensus answer, and the treatment regimen seems to be provider-dependent. Some reports have shown that the use of T3 in treatment is associated with an increased risk of arrhythmia, so with this adverse effect in mind, monotherapy with T4 has been reported to be the preferred management option by certain providers. Just keep in mind, when you're using monotherapy with T4 to treat myxedema coma, the recommended dose is 200 to 500 micrograms IV over one hour. You have to consider using lower doses in patients with a history of cardiac disease, Additionally, corticosteroids in the form of either dexamethasone, 2-4 to mg IV every 6 hours, or hydrocortisone, 100 mg IV every 8 hours, should be considered. Disposition to the ICU for continued treatment is indicated. Okay, now we're going to switch gears and talk about thyrotoxicosis, which is a state where there's a surplus of thyroid hormone, and the extreme of thyrotoxicosis is known as thyroid storm. As with hypothyroidism, there's a long list of causes of thyrotoxicosis, Graves' disease is the most common etiology, and other etiologies uh, include but are not limited to a toxic multinodular gorder, subacute thyroiditis, or overdose of medication. Patients with an underlying thyrotoxicosis can be pushed into thyroid storm by several factors including infection, drugs, surgery, pregnancy, and metabolic disturbances, essentially factors that can cause physiologic stress on the body. Clinically, patients in Thyroid Storm can present with cardiovascular, GI, and CNS dysfunction. Tachycardia, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, hyperthermia, and confusion are symptoms that are consistent with Thyroid Storm and should prompt further evaluation with TSH studies and initiation of treatment. So I think of the management of Thyroid Storm to involve five main goals. Number one, you want to provide supportive measures and block the effect of thyroid hormone. Number two, you want to decrease the production of thyroid hormone. Number three, you want to block the release of thyroid hormone into the peripheral circulation. Number four, you want to stop the peripheral conversion of thyroid hormone to its active form. Remember, that would be T4 going to T3. And lastly, you want to find and treat the precipitating cause. So let's tackle these goals one at a time and pay attention to the order of the interventions because giving medications in the incorrect order could exacerbate the problem. First off, supportive measures include continuous cardiac monitoring to recognize and treat any arrhythmias, supplemental oxygen, and IV fluids. Thyroid hormone can cause tachycardia, which can lead to cardiovascular collapse. Beta blockers can be used to block such an effect. Propranolol can be used at 1 to 2 milligrams slow IV bolus every 10 to 15 minutes. Propranolol has an advantage over other beta blockers in that, in addition to controlling heart rate, it also blocks the peripheral conversion of thyroid hormone into its active form, T4 to T3. Next, decreasing the production of thyroid hormone can be accomplished with methamazole or PTU. PTU is loaded at 600 to 1000 mg PO, and then we use 200 to 250 mg PO every 4 hours as a maintenance dose. PTU can cause liver toxicity but it also has the added benefit over methamazole of preventing peripheral conversion of T4 to T3. Methamazole can be loaded using 40 mg PO followed by 25 mg every 4 hours. Methamazole should be avoided in pregnant females in the first trimester. Blocking the release of thyroid hormone can be accomplished with iodine-containing solutions such as potassium iodide, 5 drops PO every 6 hours, or Lugol solution, 8 to 10 drops every 6 hours. This is known as the wolf chaikoff effect, and the exact mechanism is beyond the scope of this podcast, but I suggest looking it up because it's actually really interesting. The peripheral conversion of thyroid hormone can be blocked with steroids. Hydrocortisone, 100 mg IV, followed by 100 mg TID, or dexamethasone, 2 mg IV every six hours can be used. And lastly, finding and treating the precipitating cause Whether it's adjusting the dose of a medication or a full sepsis workup is important to prevent patients from being pushed back into a thyroid storm. Okay, got all that? I know it's a lot to take in and thyroid storm is not a common diagnosis in the ED, but it's good to review and understand the therapeutic goals. Again, like I said before, it's really important that you pay attention to the order that the medications are given because providing an iodine-containing intervention like Lugol solution before you block thyroid hormone synthesis with methamazole or PTU can actually worsen the problem. So just to review, I think of the management of thyroid storm to involve those five main goals. Number one, I want to provide supportive measures and block the effects of thyroid hormone. Number two, I want to decrease the production of thyroid hormone. Number three, I want to block the release of thyroid hormone into the peripheral circulation. Number four, I want to stop the peripheral conversion of thyroid hormone to its active form. And number five, I want to find and treat the precipitating cause. So there you have it, thyroid emergencies. Just to quickly go over what we covered today, we briefly discussed thyroid anatomy and physiology. We reviewed the hypothalamus, the pituitary, and thyroid gland axis. Then we moved on to discuss hypothyroidism and the extreme of hypothyroidism, myxedema coma, which is a medical emergency. We discussed the pathophysiology of myxedema coma involving a deficiency of thyroid hormone, and that treatment involves supportive measures and the repletion of thyroid hormone in the form of either T3 monotherapy, T4 monotherapy, or combined T3 T4 replacement therapy. And then lastly, we discussed the thyrotoxicosis, which involves a surplus of thyroid hormone in the body. Remember that the extreme of this state is thyroid storm, which is also a medical emergency. We discuss the clinical manifestations of thyroid storm, and remember my five main goals of treatment. What are they again? Right. Number one, supportive measures in blocking the peripheral effect of thyroid hormone. Number two, decreasing production of thyroid hormone. Number three, blocking the release of thyroid hormone. Number four, blocking the peripheral conversion of the thyroid hormone into its active form. And number five, finding and treating the precipitating cause. It could also be helpful for some of you to think about this as the Bs. You want to block synthesis, block release, block T4 into T3 conversion. Remember, that's the less active to more active form of thyroid hormone. And you can do this with corticosteroids, PTU, or even propranolol. And you want to use a beta blocker. And before I go, just one last thing. If you find yourself really interested in thyroid emergencies, specifically thyroid storm, The MCRIT podcast did what I thought was a fantastic episode on Thyroid Storm. You can find it on their website, MCRIT.org. It's podcast episode 149, Thyroid Storm. I think that it's a great resource for anybody who wants a little bit more information than what we went into today. So that's it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Remember, if you have any questions, you can direct them to Dr. Carroll at steve at embasic.org. And until next time, this is Jake Schreiner with the EM Basic Podcast, signing
0: off. Hey everyone, this is Steve, cutting back in. Thanks again to Patrick NG for writing the script and Jacob Schreiner for recording the episode. Hopefully, this episode will help you more readily recognize thyroid emergencies in the future and know how to treat them. As always, I'd like to thank our bandwidth sponsor, EB Medicine. They have a great selection of reviews on all sorts of topics, including thyroid emergencies. In fact, their review of thyroid emergencies is available for free on their website, even if you don't have a subscription. The review is from 2009, but not too much has changed about these emergencies since then. I'll put a link to the free issue in the show notes. Don't forget that residents can get free access to all their great resources by going to the EB Medicine EM Basic page at ebmedicine.net slash embasic or following the link at embasic.org. So that's all for now. This is Steve Carroll, EM Basic, signing off.